Singing. You have to say that on air. Yeah. I just want to let you go. Hey, this is good. Can you change? That was beautiful. After all that we've been through. Oh, I don't think that was a key change. I uh, but, will yeah. make it up to there will be one at some point. Hey, so yep. you're very, you're the best, you're the best panel singer. <laughs> Uh, and there's been a few, but you're the best. Oh, thanks. So thanks a, very much. I sang a... It's All Coming Back to Me Now on a show recently. Oh, so there you that go. That's um, uh, Pizza Terror in Chicago. Uh, it was acknowledged that Chicago badly needed a hit because they were dropped from their long-time label. So this was written for them, and they hated it. Oh, and, and apparently they still hate it. Oh, no. Um, the problem is it's a massive hit. Oh, yeah. So they're, in, they're stuck in this... <laughs> Weird situation where they have to play at a concert, but they don't like uh, it. It's like Radio Hidden Creek. They like that, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's so that's so interesting. Like it's like actors who get cast in movies that that's are right. hits, and like they're burdened with that yeah stain on their career. That's right. Didn't Alex Guinness hate Star Wars? Yeah, I think so. Um, but that's so oh, that's, a, that's a, I was. They say just that. hate it. They hate it, but they acknowledge that. And my husband hates it too. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a music snob. But but, but, but let's let's come back on. Let's go back yeah. on that because. Um, isn't there a time and a place to acknowledge? That's why we do Power Battle Friday. Right. Isn't there a time and a place to acknowledge good songwriting, good songwriting when you hear it? Oh, my husband it's is a good, such a snob. A... He, he's like Britpop, 90s, British, you know, the wedding present. All the, yeah. yeah. But, you know, but he's like so hateful about other people's choices. That what gets me. But, but I listen to The Breeze now. Just to, just to tie a bow on this problem, yeah. do yes. your husband, was he like a youth in the 90s? Yes. Yeah. So it's like we're all just obsessed with the music we grew up with. Like if I brought my Kanye West to the studio, your listeners probably generally wouldn't enjoy it that much. Like it's just so fascinating how we're obsessed with the music of our childhood. Yeah. Because it takes us back, right? And also when discovering that the 80s is to me what the 60s was to my parents was quite a confronting notion <laughs> to go, oh. And also that yeah. my friend, I was like, when I was born, Creedence Clearwater Revival was big. And then when my friend, who's 30 now, was born, Radiohead was big. Yeah. And I was like, what? Radio, you know. Anyway, just those moments that you realise that you're turning into your parents and you're getting older. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. it's funny the generation that you have to celebrate. Like the sixties is quite romantic. The seventies is kind of like wow. It was the seventies. The eighties, nothing oh, romantic about that. Oh my god, there was there was hair, there was gel, there was pims. There was there hair, was, all right, wasn't there? Yeah. And yes. gel. Whoa, don't you worry about that, Guy Williams. <laughs> yeah, but when before were you your born? time. But what, yeah, were you uh, born? I was born in eighty-seven. Oh my yeah. god, terrible year. The stock market crashed, but we won the rugby, so everyone was okay. <laughs> Brilliant song, stands the test of time to himself. Well, you know, sometimes it seems there's nothing but rain, war, pestilence and backbench MPs hogging the media. But for some, there's still time for a boogie. The famous dancer mat in Otatahi is back as of 4pm this afternoon. Wow. It became a defining symbol of community spirit in Christchurch immediately after the earthquakes. A place where people can go and let off some steam, an open-air court where you just dance like your life Dependent on it. With us is Coralie Wynn, who is one of those behind this project. Coralie, kia ora. Kia ora, Wally. Are you down at the dancer mat now? 
Yep. I just go around the corner away from the kids' disco because it's quite loud. So, so it's, I'm um, crouching around the corner with my swarms and my game on to get up on because that's what's happening a bit later. <laughs> so people are dancing. It's opened. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's open. And, yeah, there's a bunch of children having a great time dancing oh. at the moment and then we're going into the more adult stuff a bit later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, for those of us who are not familiar with Dance mm. Omad, tell us the origins. Well, basically, after the quakes and crisis, there were very few places to dance. So dance studios and, and clubs and places were all either, you know, broken or closed. And so just we, Coralie, jumping in here, yes. just turn your head just slightly one way so we can hear you better. Okay, sorry. Perfect. How's that? Uh, so we created a, a dance floor on a vacant site um, to respond to that. And the key thing is that um, it has a ex-laundromat washing machine um, that you put $2 in and connect your phone and then you get half an hour of lighting and sound. So it's a, yeah, it's a public amenity and it's open to anyone to just come and, and yeah. dance. And it's awesome. And like, because I'm from Christchurch yeah. and all of my friends were like, this is phenomenal. And my friend who visited from Canada for my wedding went down there and she thought it was the best thing she'd ever seen yeah. as a tourist. Oh, it's got to go around the world. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, you must be, uh, it was meant to be a short-term project. Here yeah. you are, the dance mat open today, 4 p.m. You must be feel, You must be feeling pretty proud to see it go on to a more secure chapter. Definitely. It was it was an experiment into whether people will dance in public and it's something that really challenges sort of behavioural conventions Absolutely. and social conventions. Um, and it's 10 years old now and it's kind of become part of the urban fabric here. Um, and it's kind of like, we see it as a you know, super playful um, project that sort of captures a bit of, um, yeah, definitely community spirit. But for us, it's sort of laying stakes for this idea that Christchurch. We want Christchurch to be a, um, a world capital of urban play, um, like some other cities around the world, and we think the dance map is a super important part of that. So that's yes. what we're up to at the moment. So we're really glad to have it back. You're getting a bit of love here. Good. You're getting some love here. Wade in Christchurch says the dance map was the best gap filler project in Christchurch. It oh, definitely, it definitely deserved to be a permanent feature uh, of the city. I want to ask you, what was the worst dance filler project you did? The worst gap filler project we did. Yeah. Uh, there's, did look, there's been quite a few. Fa- <laughs> there's been a lot of famous. Name one. <laughs> Name one. Uh, we did a project on Columbia Street that was an outdoor chess set, and I don't think that went particularly well. Yeah. Um, People prefer to we, dance and play chess. They do. But we've done, I mean, there have been like more than 200 projects over the years, so it's quite like, it's quite to think back as the one in particular, but yeah, there's always they're all experimental. So there's some that work and there's some that don't. Yeah. And I really like that about them because it's and, only and, when you put them out there and see whether people use them or not. And also, Coley, the, 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 the outdoor chess set is so passe. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No one, no one yeah. likes the outdoor chess set. It's so really. Christchurch mid eighties. I just thought that, like, because I'm from Christchurch, but I wasn't there during the quakes. That it was just such an example of the tenacity of the art in Christchurch that yeah. just yeah. sprung up like a weed everywhere in a good way. So I commend yeah. you for that, and all of my friends in Christchurch, the buskers, etc from the World Buskers yeah. Festival who are getting out and doing and just making the city alive. Like all that street art and stuff that's down there now is really fabulous too. Here's more, yeah. more love here. The dancer mat is awesome and so is Coralie. Yay. So ah. cool so <laughs> cool seeing parents dancing uh, yeah. with their kids. Is that cool? Yes, it is. I used to host a kid's dance party and it's delightful. 
All right. Yeah. So anyway, look, Wallace doesn't seem convinced. There. I wouldn't dance with my parents. You don't dance, but you dance with your kids. You dance with Wallace Junior. Oh yeah, yeah. But well, I, I would, I is. wouldn't go to a disco when I'm 15 and say, "Hey, Mum, would you be keen to sort of come oh, along?" Oh, it's not. No, I think it's, it's younger children generally. Oh, yes, <laughs> sort of blue light disco, love. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. the current age of the kids on the dance floor ranges from about four to about eight. There you yep. go. Yep. What yep. would you say yep. to those, Coralie? And I'm, I, I, I don't mean to be mean spirited. What would you say to those that this this was a particular project of its time? It meant so yep. much to the community as a post earthquake thing, thing. But we've been there, done that. Christchurch needs to grow up, and these sort of these sort of projects, they're not really they, they, they don't need to be permanent. Uh, well, it's wrong, really. But um, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say that um, cities need things that make them. Um, unique and different, and uh, the dancer mat is something that is authentic to this place, and especially in the current world where everything gets picked up and recycled everywhere else. I mean, mm. I think that we have something that's as sort of wacky and unique as the dancer mat here. It kind of put Christ put Christchurch on the map. It's the kind of thing that people remember. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, My there's a, you does. know. It's, there are McDonald's all around the world, but um, there's only there's a dance mat in you know in Christchurch. So, yeah, I it, think it, that. Um, so that time after the quakes was right, as you said before, it's for all this experimentation. But yep. the whole point of experimentation is to see what works okay. and then keep keep what works and get rid of what doesn't. Indeed. <laughs> I, I will say, though, because you say it is great that it's distinctive to Christchurch, but on the, on the um, flip side, have you thought about sharing this with the world and exporting it? Because like, I feel like a lot more towns would love it. Well, there was one in Auckland for a bit, and there was one in Tauranga. So there, are, work in yeah, Auckland. there are the places that are trying to have their own. So we share... Like the info with them about how to build one of their own. So the, yeah, people, they in, are uh, people yeah. in Auckland, you've got your Guy Williams or your, uh, and, and I love him the best, but your Colin Mathura Jeffries. <laughs> he wouldn't dance on a dance floor. Oh, he so would. He would totally. He, he would, would turn that into a I, I used the Auckland one. I assumed it was the Christchurch one that had been brought up. And I like how um, un business, uncapitalist you are, where you were like, uh, you're like, I'm going to share the information. I'm like, this is a business. This is not a business. You could export around the world and make millions. I was in Adelaide and they had a giant karaoke thing. That was amazing. It had like oh, yes. 30 microphones and anybody could come and sing. What, 30? Yeah. Like, so everybody just came up and, and all these different songs cycled through. It was Coral, we've, got, we've got to wrap this up. Can I just, uh, one, I've got a text here. Can I just, it's a bit of a true or false. It's a true or false. Yeah. Um, Charles and Camilla on the dance mat, Priceless. Did they dance on your mat? Yes, um, wow. they did. Yes. Amazing. And it was um, it was wow. quite um, bizarre because there were a lot of paparazzi around. And I, this is honest truth, I remember Camilla coming up to me and saying, how does it work? And I'm actually serious when the brief moment a thought crossed my head of like, does she mean, how does a washing machine work? Or does she mean... How does the dance mat work? Because <laughs> I thought, maybe she's so wealthy she does it, she's never used a washing machine. <laughs> Camilla's totally used a washing machine. She yeah. said some well, stuff so to I wash. I the answer about how the dance mat okay. works. Yeah, what did they dance yeah, to? Anyway. Yeah, I want to know the song. Uh, it was some sort of waltz, like salsery, waltzery thing. I don't actually remember. but um, Classic yeah. them. Yeah. Go out yeah. and dance yeah. to Chicago. Yeah, the that's right. Sake. Exactly. That's the oh, one. Be men of the people. Should have been the people. hard for me to say I'm sorry. That would have been good for me. Hard for me to say I'm sorry. <laughs> Karate, thank you very much for that. So uh, if you are in Otatahi now, uh, the dance mat is open as of 4pm today, and it actually goes till quite late. So if you're an adult and you want to sort of have, have an evening out, go and have a boogie. It's 15 to 5. The... 
Wallace is wearing a sweater vest while he said that. Hey, kids, it goes till it's quite late. It'll be open till eight thirty. So get on down to the darts and that. You do no, look like it someone a good from time. World War Two, doesn't yeah, he? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know what the weather's like in Christchurch, but get on down there, Christchurch. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good it time. It's really delightful. Get those kids off there. Dancing right. is awesome. Uh, excuse me, please. I'm just my headphones are stuck. I can't get my headphones. <laughs> he's trying to figure out. Sorry. He's wearing can a sweater vest, figuring can out you technology. Me until I, while I this is absolutely comical. Wallace, a professional broadcaster, has got his microphone tangled up with his headphones, tangled up with his I chair. Can't get out of my, uh, he's wearing a sweater vest. His hair is just. You should te- text into 2101 about where Wallace can go to learn how right. to be in the modern world. Sorry about that, guys. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry about that. That was right, like a Mr. Bean type scenario of incompetence. <laughs> Four, 14 to 5. <laughs> It's all going A couple of years back, the government announced an initiative that would spend $44 million to hire more guidance counsellors for schools. Mm. This was expected to total 100,000 hours of mental health support for students every year. But as it stands, the scheme has delivered less than 10% of that goal. Associate Education Minister Jan Tanetti says this is because it is still in an early implement- implementation phase, but two years into a four-year scheme, should we be seeing better results. With us is the New Zealand Association of Councillors President, Sarah Main Donald. Sarah, kia ora. Kia ora. How are you? Very well, thank you. So current estimates are that students at primary, intermediate and small secondary schools will use, what, around 9,500 hours of counselling services this year. I mean, why is that number so low? Well, I, I do think it's been incredibly slow. There's only 38% of the um, the targeted schools that are fully engaged with the procurement of the programme because it was quite a shift to move from, um, you know, councillors based in the secondary model, for example, where they're actually part of the school staff, to procuring a community provider and then that councillor being employed by the provider and coming into the school. So it's quite a different model. Um, I think that has its drawbacks and the the evaluation from um, the Aero team did talk about that difficulty with procurements of suitable providers and councillors, which is a real shame. Um, I'm, I'm concerned too that they've missed out sort of the the self-referral from children and families. So a lot of the referrals are coming from the school itself, which probably shows how under the pump schools are. They yeah. need dancer mats, don't they? they well, <laughs> very good, Sarah. <laughs> Kia ora. Um, now, but, but the, I, mean, I guess the number of the issue is that there are unspent funds here uh, where children are really needing help, and they're needing help right now. So National has criticised this, saying, look, we're sitting on these precious funds, well, they've got a point, haven't they? Well, it, it is concerning. I mean, it was a very hopeful programme to actually roll out into these 135 schools, which were targeted as the most effective after COVID, um, most impacted. And so I wouldn't want to give up quite yet. Um, I think we've all had a difficult couple of years in terms of... Um, you know, getting staff and getting things moving back in schools. Teachers are pretty stressed. I think they've got a lot on their plate. But Do you, yeah, so you think co- I think we need to remove co- the barriers. Yeah. So COVID has been a large part of why this has been so problematic in its rollout? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, it was a brand new program. So there was a lot of um, bureau- bureaucratic stuff for schools to comply to and to get the providers from the community. Yeah, right. So you know, the schools that have engaged well with their communities and they've consulted with the iwi and they've, they've you know, made a good job of, of that engagement, then they're really starting to, to roll. 
So I'm really hoping that that will continue. Do you think it would have been um, better to give funding to schools directly to employer council themselves? Well, you read my mind. <laughs> um, I worked in high schools for many, many years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I think the Minister of Education were brave in, in trialling this model, but I do think that having a councillor who's employed by the school, who has equal sort of status and manner to the teaching profession, yeah. um, who the children get to know as part of their community, is a model yeah. that works. In we fact, had one in high school. Yeah, yeah, secondary yeah. schools and area schools that have full-time counsellors, they usually run off their feet. So it's oh, quite right. concerning that, you know, the, the actual uptake from children, and I noticed even the evaluation, actually, they didn't actually talk to children, which also I thought was a bit of a shame. Yes. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's, it's um, the open door where a child, you know, children don't hold their desire to seek help for a whole week. You know, often if they've got something they need to talk about or something's happened at home or they're really worried about Nana dying or something yeah. that's happened, they, they need the accessible help when they're in the moment. And, and I do have some concerns about if you've got a community councillor coming in just one day a week or a limited sort of capacity, how easy is it for that child to engage? So do you think things can improve? There's always room for improvement. I mean, I, I really hope that this rollout can continue to improve and that I think there are 42% more of the schools that were nearly underway. So it'd be good to see the next phase of the evaluation and just see how things are going. Um, I, yeah, I, I, and that I they can... would look to include families and children more. Yeah. Just finally, Sarah, because I can recall, just, uh, I think it was very brief, but uh, I used the services of a council. I just needed an extra talking head you know, just to get something off my chest. And I found sure. it remarkably, actually remarkably helpful where mm. I didn't mm. think it would help. Um, what can we do to encourage students to use the school services? I think we need to provide really good access. So providing a service that children can access without always having to go through their teacher who might, you know, necessarily filter and think, oh, that's not important. Mm. So in my experience, you know, nearly 30 years in high school, some children will come along with quite minor things and then a few weeks later they might disclose a major issue yeah. around safety. You know, it takes children time to trust. Yep. So I think anything that can empower children to have that access to counsellors easily um, without too much adult filtering is important. Very good to have you on the programme. Kia ora, Sarah. That's, Thank you. Uh, yes, that's Sarah Maindonald there, the New Zealand Association of Counsellors, uh, the President. Uh, eight to five, Guy Williams and Penny Ashton with me this Friday afternoon. And thank you so much for your feedback and your company. Always love it. Well, you can't go past the Sabbath. of Birmingham MPs are petitioning the Queen for Black Sabbath to be honoured for their services to music. They've written to the Queen asking for her direct intervention. The ba- <laughs> What? It's, it's in the letter. The band formed in 68 by guitarist Tommy Iommi, drummer Bill Ward, bassist Geezer Butler and Ozzy Osbourne seem to have been overlooked by the usual process, said the MPs. After all, if Elton John and Cliff Richard can be honoured, what about the Sabbath? Yeah. Lisa Meyer is the Artistic Director for Home of Metal Museum Birmingham. Lisa joins us live. Lisa, welcome. Thanks for getting up for us today. 
<laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure me. to have you on. Yeah, so look, Black Sabbath, Sons of Birmingham, if you like, are they much loved there? Absolutely. I mean, people that live in Birmingham are called Brummies, and Brummies absolutely love Black Sabbath. But not only people in Birmingham, they're loved world over. I mean, you have to think about just what they've they've influenced in terms of metal and that it's still a genre of music, that it keeps on evolving, that is still fresh. You know, there are probably like 16-year-old kids playing metal now yep. somewhere in the world, well, all you, over you, the world. You've got my attention, but my two panellists, they have their arms crossed <laughs> because they're, some, they're more into pizza terror. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that, Lisa. But before I get into them, what do you make of the request by these members of Parliament for a direct intervention on behalf of Black Sabbath to the Queen? Well, you know, they just played the closing ceremony for the Commonwealth Games and people went nuts seeing them, you know. And it wasn't just metal fans. It was like they really touched so many people's hearts. And I think they've been so influential. And they also do a lot of work for charity, like Tony Iommi raises money for a hospital in Birmingham. You know, Giza does a lot of work um, for uh, animal rights, etc. So these are really important people. That that is quite amazing because so many rock and roll artists, I'm a big Smiths fan and Morrissey is one of my heroes who's gone off the deep end, you know. So it's it's quite amazing if that (laughs) band has managed to keep their ethics and keep their head after all these years. Do you know the thing is, I think that's that's the brummy thing is that um, they're incredibly humble people. And yeah, I think that they should absolutely be honoured because they've given so much in terms of music to the world and, and people love them and, and, I, and you know, you know they're getting older. I yes, they are because now I am not. A, I've never been a massive metal fan, but I was looking at the story and I looked back at pictures of them, and I was like, "This can't be them because Ozzy Osbourne is not in this picture." Yeah. But then I googled young Ozzy Osbourne. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, it's a very good advertisement for not taking too many drugs. I just, <laughs> I just want to put that out. He was so beautiful as a young man. I was like, I couldn't even recognize him. So that's a bit sad about Ozzy. Osbourne. Watch out, David Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> but he's so yeah, he was so beautiful. Can, but... can I can I bring in in terms of Birmingham? You you got the home metal there. Is Birmingham the home of heavy metal? Is Judas Priest from there too? The Judas Priest are from um, the Black Country. So Birmingham and the Black Country are like regions that are right next to each other. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely. We've had Black Sabbath, we've had Judas Priest, we've had Napalm Death, Godflesh. Like, there's something in the water here, absolutely, in terms of... You know, the post-industrial backdrop, that sense yeah. of escapism. Right. Is, it, is it sort of, yeah, is it about, like, you know, mining towns falling apart and anger at that? Like, is there any sort of, like, political, you know, fuel behind yeah. the anger? Or Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, Birmingham, where Black Sabbath grew up, it was a place called Aston, and that's where a lot of factories were. Yeah. And so these guys, their fathers, their grandfathers worked in factories. And Tony Iommi, in fact, he lost his fingers in a in an industrial accident, two of his fingers, which is how he sort of down-tuned his guitar, and that's why you get that heavy sound. So there's wow. that direct link. Amazing. Um, to industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, husband is from Yorkshire in a mining town, and it's the same thing with, like, heart ripped out of it during mm. this time as well. Do you think, on that wide note, do you think that um, heavy metal should be recognised uh, more? I know that Goldie, for example, the uh, uh, drum and bass DJ, he got um, services by the Queen a few years ago, rightfully so, a big Goldie fan. But, um, you know, heavy metal uh, doesn't get as much 
uh, of a look in in terms of that um, uh, uh, that official recognition, I guess. Well, that's the thing. It's never been in fashion, but then equally right. that means it's never been out of fashion. And I think <laughs> Good like, save. <laughs> Great save. But they yeah. didn't want to be known as heavy metal. I read that, right? Black Sabbath? Well, they started it. So, you know, it... it <laughs> didn't like the... W- didn't like the they title. started it. Wasn't that wasn't that deep purple? <laughs> oh no! No, 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 no. I I, I put it down to Sabbath. I mean, I proudly I proudly put it down to Sabbath. Wallace is Wallace but, um, is Wallace is winding you up. Is this a class issue? Like, is is it not? Is, is it because it's a working class exactly. music? Yeah. Exactly. And I think and that and that's the thing. I think that like fans are cross generational and they're so loyal. And just because it's not in the mainstream doesn't mean that it's not loved you know, world over. Yeah, so I, mean, I absolutely think that it hasn't been recognised and I think class has got a lot to do with it. Lisa, we're leaving it there. Lisa, Maya, kia thank you so much for being Thanks. with us in New Zealand. It's lovely to oh, have you on. Wow, well, listen to that wonderful uh, Rummy Epson. People are loving you. <laughs> and we're, so we're going <laughs> out on... What's this? It, it, well, oh. here we go. A little bit of... What, what, what are we hearing? What's that? I don't know. Don't know. Is anyway. it Black Sabbath? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Black well, Sabbath. We're so cool. <laughs> oh my god, we're all so cool. Oh, it's the music. Uh, it, oh, it's hard to say. I'm sorry. The end. It's, uh, maybe it's the coda. Oh, maybe yes, it does go on and oh, on does, and on that song. Yeah, yeah it really hey, does. Wonderful <laughs> panel, you both, Penny Ashton, Guy Williams. Thanks Thank you much. so much. Cheers. A big thanks to Sam Hollis, my wonderful producer. Oh, a yeah. little bit of pizza terror to take you into the weekend, eh? Wow. Lisa Chicago Owen, can yeah. rock it. They're rocking it out, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can unfold your arms now, Guy, if you want to. I just yeah, I've had a good time, but what All is right. this?